settle fights by throwing bombs. And welcome back to a supplemental reading of the final film in the FU series, Fate of the Furious. 2017's Fate of the Furious. What other Fate of the Furious? I am Wheelman Henry. And I am, as ever, John. And together we're coming at you with the hot and furious takes of this final movie in the Fuck You series for now. Yes, in the... Okay, so I think it's important, Henry, that we let the listeners know. Uh, So at this point, uh, I know what you've been thinking. It's all a big joke, and I'm here to tell you it is. It was a joke. We pretended. We only pretended to watch these movies and talk about them for the past eight weeks. Yeah, so I think probably now we should just have like a normal episode of Zero Credits. Yeah, just a normal episode of Zero Credits. Take back what I said about doing a supplemental reading. Yeah. But before we get into that, I have a disclaimer to, to give. Yes. Like in every supplemental reading, we just <laughs> we want you to have watched it beforehand because we're going to spoil the hell out of this one. And this one came out last year, so mm. we are in complete and utter violation of the Geneva Convention. I think this might be, other than maybe a Mar- two Marvel movies we did, the closest to the release date of the thing that we're spoiling. I don't know, we did Logan. You're right, we did Logan, like right when it came out. Yeah. We've done a few, actually. We've done a few. Uh, but as we've discussed, this isn't a supplemental reading. And, <laughs> and of course, like we always have to tell you for a supplemental reading... Uh, of the Fast and the Furious franchise, this episode is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Corona Beer. I think the bottle opener was right there. I think you, you you're hiding the bottle opener from me. So uh, the wait, are uh, these twist offs? <laughs> this entire time were these twist offs? No, they are not. Okay, <laughs> uh, but yes, the favored beverage of the Fast and the Furious universe, Corona, and. Uh, we still have two left over from the last recording. Yes, because we are trying to keep up with the number of Coronas consumed per movie uh, in some total. And uh, we did a gambit. We ended up with, you don't, like, you don't look like you like it, Henry. It tastes bad, John. And uh, so, interestingly, I went to go get this week's Coronas. And the only six-pack they had left was Corona Light. Which is only 99 calories somehow. That's amazing. Uh, so we need to enjoy these cold, frosty boys while we can. Because when we crack into those hot Corona lights, it's really going to be bad city. Why did you buy hot beer? Why is hot beer a possibility? You're fizzing up. It was the only option. You're fizzing up. up. Beer talk. And like in every episode of Zero Credits... We're going to deep dive into one movie we, we watched, and this time it's The Fate and the Furious. And we're just going to talk about, like, you know, what we thought about the movie as a whole. The final piece of the dumb fucking bet that we made to ourselves that we could do a supplemental reading for every one of these movies. <laughs> I feel like we're setting up a weird expectation for next summer when we dive into a, an even different weird movie series but I'm not making any promises on air. Yeah, well, we'll make... Believe you me, listeners, we'll make promises on air so soon to the deadline of the thing that we have to keep them without thinking about them. Yeah, we don't plan this show out at all, and we didn't even realize... We only have one week after this before we dive into another series. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on, but let's let's, let's not, not get out in the weeds. And let's, let's, let's pull the curtain... Back over the eyes. Yes. That's how movies work. Yes, let's guide them away from the weeds and blind the eyes 
Uh, because Fate of the Furious, the eighth movie in the, well, I suppose the tenth entry into the Fast and Furious franchise, including the two shorts. Yeah. And this one is directed by F. Gary Gray. Wait, do we count the Universal Ride as an entry into the series? Do we count the two video games? No. Do we count the no. the free Fast and Furious no. story DLC for Forza Horizon? No. We don't count any of this. You're right. So the films. The films. And this one was directed by... Do you think we should call this series talking about the films? Talk... What? Why? I don't know. Just go back rename the whole thing. No, we can't. All right. I'm not doing that. All that editing work? Please. (laughs) The director has a very funny name, John. Mm. His name is like F. Gray Gary. F. Gary Gray, what I just said. I don't listen to you. Uh, so F. Gary His name Gray. It's Gary Gray. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a fun name because it's spelled similarly yeah. in multiple ways. But he is a uh, director of a lot of things, but most notably, most inexplicably, he is the director of Friday. So what is Friday? Friday is uh, a classic 90s comedy starring Ice Cube uh, about life in the inner city. Okay. Uh, so it's very strange that he went from that all that time ago to this. You know what he also directed? Oh. I, th- I think I saw this on IMDb. I think he directed the music video to Today Was a Good Day. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think that's one of his first directing credits. That's very cool. I didn't have to use my AK. Ah, because Today Was a Good Day. Yeah. Fucked around got a triple-double. What? It's a lyric from the song? What? It's a lyric from the song we're talking about? I know one about? lyric per song. Damn it. It's my it's my one weakness. He also directed, I believe, The Italian Job. The Italian Job. The other... The remake, though. Yeah, the one with the Mini Coopers in the mansion. Yeah, but also I think the original Italian Job had Mini Coopers Is in it. Is that the only thing people remember? <laughs> it might the be. the Italian Job. Uh, it might be, but I mean, that pedigree translates into pretty competent car stuff, which we can talk about a little bit later. Yeah, and it was also written by the one and only... Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan's back. Off, back from the the Furious 7 sophomore slump to the Fate of the Furious senior hump. And you know, we previously discussed in the last abysmal movie that we both did not like very much about a theory about Chris Morgan, how the connective thread that kind of like keeps him going through these movies is the relationship between Dom and Letty. Uh Uh-huh. And coincidentally... The first, like, ten minutes of this movie is just Dom and Letty hanging out. Yeah, this movie is, uh, at its heart, kind of another Dom and Letty story. I think all of these movies are kind really, of Really, kind and Letty. of. They're just, they're just coats of paint on top of that, on top of that relationship. Uh, but this one, of course, is, is a little bit different. And, uh, this is one of the weirder movies of the franchise that I've seen. And I've seen them all. <laughs> well, yeah, now we have. It's, that's something I can say authoritatively. Why, what makes, what about this movie makes you say that it was weird? Cause it's uh, a massive, like, whiplash between the stuff that initially happens in Cuba with Dom's cousin? Yeah. Who doesn't, Dom's cousin doesn't continue to be in the movie. No. Uh, so Dom has this, it almost feels like that is a scrapped start to another Fast and Furious movie, which, to be honest with you, I've given up all hopes that I had of these movies being, like, uh, artistically or, like, written in a exceptionally smart way, and that's totally fine. Uh, I kind of liked the Cuba stuff, because it was just kind of over the top, but that race was kind of badass. 
That race was pretty awesome. The, ra- the thing that I thought was interesting is in Furious, in, in 6 and 7, we had basically said racing cars is passé. Even starting in 5, we were saying these movies are about something else now. And that something else led us down a dark path after Fast 5. Well, yeah, I mean, they became these huge espionage with, like, one set piece at the end kind of movies. And I feel like uh, either Chris Morgan or, or F. Gray Gary, whose name I will not get right, maybe they sat down at the writer's table and they were like, you know, we got to get back to our roots. Let's start off with an old-fashioned pink slip race. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes back almost to the start of the original Fast and the Furious film. Uh, it's just racing for cars, and the race is pretty good. Dom literally rips a car apart <laughs> with his bare hands. It's pretty awesome. He's like, I, you know, I've, I've got the slowest car on the island, and Dom just, like, rips off the hood, rips yeah. off the bumpers, and he's like, well, <laughs> yeah, do you really? <laughs> I, I love that, and I... Something in this movie that I grew to appreciate is a lot of what I balked at in the 6th and 7th movie is that you felt like these characters were transitioning into being superheroes and I felt forced. Now we are forced to live in a world where these characters are just monsters and it's okay. It's kind of, but, but it's kind of like we're dialing back because we wouldn't have seen 6 and 7 Dom and Letty doing like normal races, although we did go to race war. Yeah, I just wanted to say race war one more time, and um, b- before the series ends, maybe for the last time. But one thing that this movie does, and no other f- fuck you movie has done, is it opens up with the car scene. Yes, we've got butts next to opening credits. Butts next to opening credits, which might surprise you, and you might imagine that uh, this is particularly lascivious because the movie opens and immediately transitions to butts. Uh, I would say in terms of car scenes, this one's relatively, uh, relatively okay. It's kinda, It's not the worst. It's kind of infused with the spirit of Cuba. Yeah. It's, <laughs> in a weird way. Like, even though there are butts, it's also like, you know, this, this is our people. This is who we are. This is the spirit of Cuba. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I loved about these, this opening scene, and then we can move on, is that the, the race girl with the flag, who's like counting them down, she points to one and says, be fast. She points to the other and says, be safe. Yes. It's like, all, you know, we're cutthroat street racers or whatever. But also this time around, it's like, but we're also family because we're all Cuban. Yeah. There there was something about that race that when it happened, it felt very genuine. And also, if you notice, uh, this might be a choice on Vin Diesel's part. Maybe it's written into his character. Dom Toretto in this movie, Vin Diesel acts his ass off. Maybe more than he has in any of the other movies. Oh. Smiles way more. Like in the opening, he's showing such a greater range of emotion than he has shown in the last six movies. Somewhere I wrote that like Dom is really emoting way more. And it might, I have a, a theory about why he smiles more. It's because he's no longer dealing with the fact that Letty doesn't know him and doesn't yeah. know that they're married. Mm-hmm. So he smiles more because he's like, hey, I got my Letty. Yeah. And, then, like, it's all sort of ripped away from him in this cruel act of cell phone MacGuffinry. Yes. And so, like, the emoting is also because, like, I have so much more at stake now. Yeah, the, this script calls for him to really rise to the occasion acting-wise, and I feel like he does a pretty good job. I almost feel like there were some takes where 
Uh, and he was outraged for obvious reasons because of the whole child kidnap thing. Yeah. Uh, but in certain scenes where he was expressing outrage, I was like, I feel like that was Vin Diesel being like, I want to take this character in a direction. Like, I want to, I want to make this character seem really genuinely maybe more upset than the script would even call for. It's almost like they sat him down in the writer's room for the eighth movie. Or maybe just at his contract negotiation. Yeah. And he was like, can I have emotions in this one? And they're like, I don't know. And Chris Morgan was like, emotions? Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to have to rewrite your whole character. Wait, you're, not, you're not playing a woman, Dom. <laughs> you're not playing some kind of hot teacher or hot girl. We shouldn't make fun of Chris Morgan because we potentially wanted to get him on the show, but that will never happen and he'll never hear this. It is entirely true. Uh, but yeah, kind of a badass race. Dom is smiling way more. And then we get introduced to the crux of the movie, Charlize Theron. Bad dreads. Bad dreads. Oh, excuse me. They're like loose dreads, because they're like not totally knotted. Yeah. They're like styled dreads. Uh, Charlize Theron's character, Cypher, who does uh, two things incredibly well as a character. Uh, number one, uh, spouts weird naturalistic uh, idiosyncrasies for no reason. And uh, number two, no one really knows what she's about or does or the extents of her power or aims. Cypher is such an interesting concept of a thing. Because at, at one hand, she's the smartest villain we've had thus far. Uh-huh. And I don't mean, like, Obadiah Shaw. Yes. <laughs> okay. Owen Shaw. Yes. Was a genius at putting, like, really cool cars together. Yeah. He was a mechanical genius. Cypher apparently just knows everything. Uh-huh. It pontificates at the drop of a hat. Yes. And also... Takes an hour and thirty minutes from the fact from the time that we learn she's a hacker till we actually see her hacking. Yes, which I have to say is probably a record in an action movie. It really is. Usually, when they're introduced as a hacker, they're hacking like right then and they, there. They're already hacking. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's almost as if Cipher is this like weird placeholder that you can put emotions into. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have a personality of its own. Even when she's explicitly saying, like, this is why I'm doing this, it's kind of like I wanted Dom to say, okay, but why are you doing this? Yeah, I, I almost wanted a lot of characters to be like, who are you? <laughs> like, even though at that point it had been established, just who is Cypher? Cypher's a... Now, to be fair, I say this. I kind of think Cypher might be the best villain in these movies. I tend to agree with you because we don't, we, unlike the other villains where you figure them out, oh, they're a drug dealer, oh, they're Obadiah Shaw, oh, it's the other Shaw brother who's mad that you put the other Shaw brother in the hospital. Yeah. Which is probably the clearest motivation of it all really time is. in these movies. It really is. And then you get like the super villain who's nebulous, who's smart. Who's toying with Dom the entire movie and we don't really know why. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that, oh, it, it's based on revenge a little bit. One thing I did not like about Cypher. What? Is that these movies tend to do this thing where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Braga is the big bad. Mm -hmm. And then in the next movie, oh, Braga was working for Shaw. Yes. And then in the next movie, oh... Shaw is Shaw's brother. Uh -huh. And then in this movie, oh, Shaw was working for Cypher. Uh-huh. That's really 
dumb, right? It really is dumb. Uh, I feel like they, they have this weird... They feel like... Their plot must necessitate these through lines between villains. It's totally unnecessary. If you just said Cypher was an evil, an evil mega hacker, fine. But like you introduced Ramsey, who is this badass hacker. Uh huh. Then you can introduce Cypher, and and like Cypher's from Ramsey's world, not from Shaw and and their world. That would have been much cooler if the tie-in was with. Ramsey rather than through Shaw. And would give Ramsey a lot more to do in this movie other than to be a discussion topic between Tej and uh, Roman. Now, of course, speaking of Shaw, uh, we we want to get into the character of Deckard Shaw and his portrayal in this movie because it's a hell of a thing. Yeah, this movie does something extremely well and also extremely problematic at the same time. Yes. And that is... I want one. You don't want one? No, I do want one. Now we're getting into the Corona Lights, my these boys. These are the lights. That's probably the fastest we got through any of these Coronas. Are we becoming immune? I'm just thirsty. All right, so Corona Light. First sip. Sorry. You know, it you actually... Know, you know how stale air tastes? Yeah. It's it's just like stale air. It's It feels like I'm drinking a Corona, but I'm not. This is the weirdest thing. All right. I need to ask you a question about Deckard Shaw. Uh huh. How did you like him in this movie? How did I like? Well, that's two questions. No, I have two answers to one question. Okay. How did I like the characterization of Deckard Shaw, given what we know about his character and his history with the characters in this movie? I feel like it was lazy and bad. Okay. How do I feel about Deckard Shaw, a character in his motivations and actions as portrayed by Jason Statham? Love it. He he honestly has the most, like, personality and life in some of these scenes in the entire movie. And he's like, okay, just, if I need to pinpoint one sequence, the sequence with the baby on the airplane. Best moment in the movie. Best moment in the movie. Probably one of the best moments in these latter uh, three movies. Let's say three yes. or so movies. Six, it, seven, It is eight. part of a thing that I'll talk about later, but absolutely... Uh, it, it reminded me of, like, the Transporter 2, like, peak Jason Statham doing badass Jason Statham sh- shit and being real funny and cool and good. While making sure babies are safe and not seeing all the blood and gore that's happening. And it, as, like, a weird coincidence, we focus on the baby. We also don't see the blood and gore, which keeps the rating on a nice PG-13 yes. instead of going M and losing on the whole demographic. Mm-hmm. We hold this nice characterization of Deckard Shaw up against the light and then like a small voice in the back of her head kind of like creeps in and just reminds us he killed han yeah it's like hey he killed han and his brother was responsible for for giselle's death like yeah two of the crew are dead because of these are dead because of this because of this this bastard yeah he blew up han yeah he straight up killed han he's a he murdered han in cold blood yep and now we're he's at the he's at the family gathering at the he doesn't eat with them yeah but he makes an appearance at the family barbecue at the end yes and we have to we're tasked with forgiving him which to be honest given the fact that he's reintroduced and we're gonna skip over this there's a bunch of really awesome shit with the rock the rock does a full-blown haka with the kids at the soccer game which is amazing (laughs) they go to him and they're like hey 
there's this EMP thing you've got to take care of, and I feel like that was a weird send-up of how espionage the plots have gotten at this point. Yeah. And he's like, no, fuck that government shit, I want to take care of my kid, then we'll talk about it. And then getting the EMP is completely glossed over. I think that's really well done. Oh, yeah. Like, from the soccer field to the Berlin and their mid-heist already. Yes. Perf- that's the perfect way to do this. We don't need to see that part anymore. Because we know they're capable enough of that. You've shown us that. And that it leaves more room in the movie to, to escalate and go bigger mm-hmm. and then see, like, what it... Okay. But building off these points, what yes. I really loved in this movie compared to Seven is, like, you can see each puzzle piece of the movie snap together. Uh-huh. We see Dom betray everybody and steal the EMP. Mm-hmm. And then a while later, we see the EMP being used. And it's like, oh, that's why they needed... Yes. So each piece of the plan is fully clear to us. Even though we still don't understand the motivation, we at least understand the, the mechanization of, like... How everything is unraveling. Which is what makes a movie like this great. And I will posit, which is what made Fast Five in part so great. This movie is closer in quality to Fast Five than a lot of people want to admit. But it did what Fast Five did extremely well because it sets up systems that lets you see these things working. It trusts that you didn't forget about something. It's going to show up later. Uh, but... All of that stuff is awesome. Their, like, heisting abilities without direct intervention are so, are now so inconsequential you can just catch them up to when they've already succeeded. Yeah. And that's when it happens. Uh, but... It's the- kind of like we didn't start in media res, but then we jumped into an in media res point. Yes. I, re- I really like that because I'm like, that's the smartest way to handle that. Like, at the tail end, moment of victory, then the inversion. But Shaw is introduced kind of immediately after that... In this, like, weird back and forth between him and The Rock, which is weird and forced. I, I really like those lines, because, like... Oh, it, they're two really personable, like, smug actors doing, like, really cool, smug one-liners to each other, and it's it, great. It's complete buddy... Not buddy cop, but, like, the buddy film kind of thing, where it's, like, two very charismatic muscle heads yeah. are playing off of each other and they do it well, which is probably why, spoiler alert, they're getting their own spinoff. Next year, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I want to tell you that I did something watching this movie that I haven't done since Fast Five. When Hobbs and Shaw were breaking out of the prison, I had to pause it because it was just so good. Oh, yeah. That was one of the best parts... Okay, Jason Statham's character is single-handedly responsible for most of my favorite sequences in this movie. Uh, but when him and when Hobbs and Shaw are breaking out, that is phenomenally well done. It's so good, so high energy, so it plays so perfectly to their characters. Like when we were complaining in Furious Seven about how you you don't have like the physical characterization of Jason Statham is like a lithe, mean, sharp knife guy, and The Rock is just like a blunt instrument. Perfect physical characterization when they're breaking out. Like uh I, I, Shaw's just like flipping around, yeah. like kicking people in the nuts, and The Rock is like being shot with rubber bullets. Oh god. When he's like rubber bullets, big mistake. <laughs> Dumb. Loved it. But, but but they even address, like, the weird discrepancy between them from Fast 7 when they're in the cells and they're talking. And, like, 
The Rock is like, you cannot take me in a one-on-one fight. It just won't happen. Uh-huh. And Jason Statham's like, I think I did. I did <laughs> it, that. It did. Happen. I already did that. Yeah. You jumped out of a window. <laughs> or like you, you got blasted out of a window. I was like, no, I jumped out of a window. <laughs> for te- like it's great. They're yeah. bickering about the the fight to the death they had. Yeah. And then you want to talk about great through lines, like that. The, the beginning of that sweet sequence, The Rock's door opens and he looks at the camera and is like. I'm not doing this, Mr. Nobody. And then Jason Statham takes the taser thing and, like, disables all the security system or whatever. Yeah. And then The Rock is just like, no, stop the other guy. Like, he's a criminal. He's yeah. going to get out. It's I got to stop him. And then they're fighting all of the guards, all of the prisoners. They're fighting together because he wants to catch him. Yeah. In, like, in every moment, The Rock's gaze is on Statham. So it's like, you know exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. The camera is working really well to show, like, where each... It's completely easy to follow. It's everything that Fast 7 wasn't. Yeah. This movie, in a lot of ways, is everything Fast 7 wasn't. I got so excited for Hobbs and Shaw while I was watching that prison break because, like, their chemistry, the direction, just really genuinely good, enjoyable stuff. Yeah. So good. Oh man, I, there was one. There, there was a sh- one. Oh, shade. dude, when that when that guy's like, oh, I've been waiting so long for this, and he just stabs him with his <laughs> way longer bitch. <laughs> yeah, so good, so good. Uh, <laughs> um, there was there was not a single moment in Fast Six or Furious Seven that made me as happy as that moment did. There's one uh, shade of Fast Seven in this movie, and I forget when it happens. But there is one moment of a gyroscopic camera. Yeah. And there's actually two moments of that during during fights. So that happens twice. There's one in the prison break for sure. And I think there's also one toward the end. Yeah, there's one that's either like on the sub or on the plane. Something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's two of those. I don't really like that. That's just the cinematographers going up to F. Grey Gary and saying, uh, Hey, the last guy... Um, let me do this one trick. We got, we, we still have the equipment. And F. Greg Gary's like, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could do it. It's like, do we get a tax break if we do this? <laughs> Can we have more shots of The Rock getting shot and not caring? Because that's what I'm about, <laughs> F. Gary Gray. Uh, uh, rubber bullets, what a mistake. It's so dumb. That line is so dumb, but made me so happy. It's, it, that was so good. Ah. <sighs> Then there's a whole bunch of more movie. Then there's a bunch of more movie, because that's barely where the movie gets started. And then, of course, something that surprised me, uh, I, this does have one thing that Furious 7 had, uh, uh, God's Plan, or whatever the fucking fucking thing is called. Uh, very dumb, because it's bad, but here's... This, This is what you get when you have the same writer from movie to movie. The writer knows in the last movie... They got this thing called God's Eye, mm-hmm. so the writer in this movie has to find a way to disable God's Eye. Yeah. Because it's way too powerful. <laughs> They're like, oh, that weird MacGuffin that finds anyone, anywhere, anytime? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but I did notice that they're going over possible locations that Cypher could be, and they say China. And I'm like, that's where they are, because this movie received a ton of funding from China Film. That's where they are. Iron Man 3. Can't fool me. And they weren't in China. This movie never once goes to China. Nope. Very good. It could be like an Iron Man 3 situation where maybe they filmed some alternative scenes for the Chinese audience. 
Because Iron Man 3 totally did that. So, so they're like, are they in China? And Ted goes, yes. And then it <laughs> immediately cuts to them drinking name brand soft drinks and, and using name brand phones in China. And they're like... Uh, this cell phone is the strongest cell phone I've ever tried. Look, I can't even pour this name brand cola on it, but the cola still tastes good. Cypher's not here, and then it cuts back. <laughs> That's what happened. I mean, I don't like. I don't know the 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 content and the these scenes like that in the Iron Man three thing were filmed in China or whatever. So, but it's probably that. Although I will say, you you brought up name brand soda twice. Uh. Do you think they had a deal with Coke in this movie? Because Coke was featured prominently twice in this film. This movie, uh, very American, because there's Coke and Budweiser. Yeah, this is the weirdest thing. Like, normally, brands don't... There was a Pepsi sign in Too Fast, Too Furious. I remember that. You're right, that. there was a Pepsi sign. But brands in the past few movies have not been, like, this prominent. Ba- brands aren't big engagers with the Fakue. Oh, except car brands. Car brands, but a weird note. Uh, the other night, my fiance was just put, she just turned on the TV and she caught Tokyo Drift. Okay. I think on VH1 of all channels. Nice. And it was sponsored by Corona. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Finally, that's where those residuals are coming in. Those Corona residuals. Alright, let's get off brands. That's not what this, that's not what this is about. You know what this is about? Elena. Yeah. It's about Elena. It's about Elena. This movie's... This whole movie's about Elena. It really is. Elena is someone that I really anticipated to be written off as gone forever once Letty was back in the picture. No, it turns out she was written back into the movie to have a baby and be killed. Which is really weird, uh, because, like, she was in the previous movie. She wasn't showing at all. She wasn't. I wonder how long ago that was. And and really, like, I guess good on her being pregnant to have the mentality of the rock is in danger (laughs) against this crazy knife man. I'm going to go save him and possibly die with a baby in me. I've got to help. Uh, You know, Um, we don't know how long it's been since the previous one. But give, there, there, I know, there could be a time skip, but you have to factor in Dom and Elena were together. At the end of what? Six? Six, maybe? Yeah. That's five. Five. They, five. they were to Yeah, five because six is when... Because Letty yeah. wasn't in five. So they were together at the end of five. Oh, no. And so... So a lot of time has passed. Or, or, or has it? For this... Because typically, John, I don't know if you know this. And maybe uh-huh. it's different in Wait, the fuck so you. Wait, so Fast Five ends. How does Fast Five end? They're all on the beach in a different country. With no extradition. Oh, gotcha. It's, it's Brian and Mia, and it's uh, Dom and Elena. Okay, then it opens back up pretty much immediately after that kind of... With Brian Okay, yeah. And with Mia giving birth on the same island and all. Okay. That, that's how Fast 6 opens up. Fast 7, Brian it, like has Jack. I don't like doing this baby arithmetic. All I'm saying is, unless it's different in the fuck you, babies typically gestate... <laughs> Yeah, we don't know what Earth this takes for place nine, on. For nine months. Is this Earth 616? Is this Earth 1350? Is this Earth fuck you? <laughs> Earth fuck you. So, may- and maybe the... Can I petition, though? What's up? I know that we say the... F- Wait, the timeline totally doesn't work out on this. It really doesn't. Unless... Because when they were together, when they were together... Yeah. Enough time passed for Mia to have a child and she was pregnant but not showing. Yeah. 
Oh no! Oh no! Was Tom cheating on Letty the oh, whole no. time? Maybe. What? Maybe this doesn't. This wasn't. Or or maybe it wasn't very well thought out. Or or she gets pregnant and has the baby completely off screen. By the time that she shows up in a movie again, she's already had the kid. Actually, the baby is kind of old. The baby is not a newborn. Yeah, maybe like five months. Less than that. I know, it's still in the crib. I don't know, this is really weird. I don't know baby math. Uh, Look, it makes sense if you drink more Corona. It does, like most things in the FQ. And of course this movie's about uh, Elena, and I think that maybe the most credible thing Cypher does as a villain is have Elena killed. Yeah. By By Tormund Tormund Giant's Giant's Bane. (laughs) I, I was really excited, because when I saw good old Tormund... Uh, I was like, oh, he's obviously going to not just be Tormund Giant's Bane. But he kind of just was Tormund. He just uses the voice. <laughs> it's just Tormund's, Tormund Giant's Bane in a London fog jacket. Uh, I, I have to find my note. Because as soon as I saw Tormund, I wrote, Giant's Bane! With an ex- exclamation point and a question mark. Accurate. Oh, we're so- such nerves, man. So, uh, I think that maybe my least favorite thing Cypher says is when she does the choice theory thing. Because, basically, it seems like someone read the Wikipedia entry on choice theory, read the first two axioms, didn't actually know what choice theory was about. I think what they wanted to do is they're like, when Chris Morgan was writing this, he said, Dom has Cypher at gunpoint. He must make choice. Then he googled the word choice he came up with choice theory, found the first two axioms, and he's like, I guess I'll make that her line. I have a note about choice theory. Choice theory? This is the most academic villain <laughs> in the series. I mean, Cypher is the most academic villain. She's probably got a dissertation or something. That, and that this is one of the points where Dom emotes, and he just goes, since I'm alone, I got no choice. He's so loud. Yeah, he's so loud. I feel like the original read on that line did not call for him to emote that much. He, he like, I'm not saying he over emotes, but he pours his entire being into the since I'm alone. Yeah, yeah since I'm alone. I know. He's, he's like, he's, it's like he's mad. I, I want to say, like, he's looking off screen right at <laughs> F. Gary Gray. Yeah. And he's like... You you know it'd be it would probably be cool if I had like you know another person with me in the scene and Gary Gray was like no that doesn't make sense what he actually saw was uh, F Gary Gray was off off camera directing as directors do from his chair of cloth and he was yawning but he did that thing where he like puts his fist over his mouth but Vin Diesel uh, spent a lot of time in choir and he knows that when the choir director puts fist over mouth it means go louder. <laughs> So he just goes up really high in the middle of that line read for some reason. I'm alone. <laughs> and then he's like, "Man, did that seems like a weird direction to give me? Do you still want to go with that line read?" And he's like, "No, it's fine." <laughs> F. Gary Gray was like, yeah, "We got it. <laughs> yeah, we, I only do one take. <laughs> we got it." And he was actually just like not even paying attention. But circling back to the choice theory thing, mm-hmm. I feel like you know Looper came out. Since these movies have been going yes. on. At some point in this continuity, <laughs> Looper came out, which does take place in the FQ. And Looper did this thing where it hand-waved, like, time travel explanations. Mm-hmm. And Cypher does almost the same thing with choice theory. It's like, choice theory. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically it's this. Yeah. 
And it doesn't quite work. <laughs> She's like, let's talk about Glasser's choice theory. There are a lot of axioms. Ten to be exact. Here are the first two in order. Yeah. <laughs> it really feels like someone just read the Wikipedia entry for choice theory, personally. And honestly, hey, don't hack lazy writing. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> got to write these things. Yeah, somebody has to, and his name is Chris H. Morgan. What's the H stand for? You know what's interesting in my notes? I really did not make a single note about the Fakou for the Fast and Familia. What do you mean? Like all of their scenes together? I didn't really write notes about them. Because this movie is mostly just about Dom and Hobbs and Shaw. You're kind of like... I wrote facial hair Tej. Tej has facial hair now, I guess. Uh, Stopping World War World War Three. I mean, I still liked Roman. I still liked Roman a lot. Somebody says, saddle up, be a man, and save the entire goddamn world. I think that's The Rock. Yeah. Seems like a rock thing to say. I mean, yeah. I, and, like, Letty has to deal with Dom betraying her, but she really doesn't get the screen time to, yeah, to, process, to process it. I feel like, uh, as far as m- the movies go, with the through line being Dom and Letty's relationship, this one was one of the weaker ones. Because Dom and Letty's relationship, sure, the inversion of Dom, like betraying her was like huge and palpable and actually made me feel bad uh but i feel like there wasn't a lot of processing that was going on there there wasn't a lot of good letty time like even when dom comes back and they're like oh dom's on our side now and he 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 saddles up next to letty and they share that look letty like she smiles and she's happy it's it's like she she wasn't given the emotional death she needed in this movie to be like no fuck you like yeah. This is my family, and you actively tried to hurt them. Yeah. You actively tried to hurt them, and, like, I understand your reasons, but why did you kiss that lady that one time? Well, she kissed yeah. him. It was a power thing. Yeah. She had power over him, which Cypher, I. Cypher gets off on power. That was maybe, like, the creepiest line is she like, Why'd you let me kiss you? It's like, I don't know, maybe if you didn't, you'd kill my child? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's also kind of like, Are you victim blaming right now? Like,. Yeah. It's like, oh, you didn't stop me. It's like, could I have? <laughs> uh, yeah, I could not have. And she probably would have been like, everyone has a choice. Colossus <laughs> <Every>, choice theory, <laughs> Dom. Everyone has a choice. I can only give you information and kisses. <laughs> Do <laughs> I actually, need to pull out the textbook, Dom? <laughs> there's, uh, there's two axioms to Cypher's theory of choice. Number one, all humans are animals. Two, all I can give you is kisses. Oh man! Uh, but yeah, not a not a ton of notes about the Fakir crew. But I mean, in Roman Roman is still good. The, the, Roman's better in this movie than he was in the previous one. So Roman's he, good. He falls in love with that neon orange like yes. super model car, <laughs> and then like they get to the, a point where like all rules are off. We haven't talked about Little Mister Nobody. Okay, he is genuinely credited as Little. Little, little nobody. nobody. It's great. I really like Little Nobody. That dynamic's so good. They really turned around the Mr. Nobody character, gave him a sidekick, and I really like everything he did. I feel like Kurt Russell couldn't be in this movie for more than one or two shots. How so? Oh, because he... Because he disappears for half the movie, he, and we're just left with Little Nobody. He does disappear for half the movie. Maybe he was filming Guardians 2. He might have been. The timeline would match up. But uh, I, I, really, I, I really like the dynamic of Mr. Nobody, because it's like... Again, these are criminals. Yeah. At their core. Like, they're they're outlaws. Let's say outlaws, not criminals. Uh-huh. You know, they're rogues. They go against the grain. 
we need somebody for them to rub up against who's all tight laced and by the book and that's little nobody uh-huh until little nobody's like fuck it take whatever car you want and roman takes the model supercar to a land of ice and snow classic roman with no snow tires classic roman i want to say the doors like that whole scene with him in the in the in the, the slip and sliding car uh-huh. he ends up like snowboarding on a door yes that's all italian chef kiss moi that's all perfect roman Mon- magnifique <laughs> There's, they find it hard to strike a Roman balance, and I don't think there's been better Roman in these movies since Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, he's... Where he was completely uninhibited. Yeah, he was completely unchained. No rules. Uh, but I, I liked the, I liked, they're really bad, the Corona lights. It's like, it's like diet bread. (laughs) It is. It's like, it's like someone is shooting a super soaker through a loaf of bread into your mouth. Yeah. Anyway, you're, you're mid-sentence. Oh no, uh, yeah. Uh, it's peak Roman. It's, I really like the dynamic with the top ten most wanted thing. I think that's like classic, classic Fast and Furious persistent beat thing. Really good. Um, Helen Mirren out of fucking nowhere in this movie. That's who that was. Yeah. Mama Shaw. Mama Shaw. Hey, Mama Shaw. So, we talked previously about how Fast Five did the heist movie smart. Because it showed you, like, the, the entire plan, all of the montage, and then it threw all of that out because it was going to go bad anyway. Uh-huh. We got shades of that in this movie. We see Dom set up some subterfuge. I don't yes. know if I'm saying that word right, but I love it. I love that word. hmm We see him, like, obscure the camera. He disappears. He disappears into a bar, has a conversation with Mama Shaw, and then 90, let's give or take 90 to two hours pass. Yes. And then the pay- then we get the payoff. Yes, uh, the this movie does something that uh, these movies have historically been pretty bad at doing is delayed payoff of things. Yeah, it's almost like Chris Morgan was playing with the idea of not having an idea pay off immediately because it sure is the first movie where that happens. It, it happens a few times when we first see Charlize Theron. She shows Dom a cell phone image. Mm-hmm. No idea what's on it. We don't get to see that, and then later. There's the reveal, he's got Elsa Pataki, a.k.a. Elena, yes. and Don's son, mm-hmm. who we did not know about previously. And Don didn't know about, that baby was not on the cell phone. It was not. And then we get the same thing with the Shaw family, which is like, can we just have a movie about the Shaw family? Because yes. they seem like, even she's like a, you know, a posh, weird criminal. You've seen John Wick, right? I've seen the first one, yeah. You know the weird, like, uh, nation of assassins? Yeah. And you're like, man, that's a way more interesting thing that just exists in this movie. Can't we get a movie or an explainer about that? That's what I want for the Shaw movie, because they are apparently a lineage of tremendously successful hyper-British criminals. And and it could be displayed into the fact that in American movies, all British people are evil. (laughs) What if, hold on... I don't know if there's anything that backs me up or negates my point. What if in the world that the Fast and Furious universe takes place in, all British people are supervillains? Could be. I don't think we've seen any other British people who weren't supervillains. And I don't... It might have... Ugh. When was this? They all run together. They do at this point. When was Shaw the main villain? Six. 
So in Fast Six, there is a British military person who's like, "Oh yeah, we're he's, not going to turn yeah, over Shaw right, just because right. they have one person and you're not right. one person was Mia." So he was still a douche, but yeah. he wasn't necessarily evil. Let's say all British people are douches in these movies. That could, well, that's kind of true in general. Whoa, oh, alienating our British audience. Aliens. Uh, so I, I think They're that not aliens, John. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, the Shaw family fascinating. Also, uh, dude, a moment that I want to talk about in this movie. Second moment, third, I think moment in this movie that made me pause it just because I was really excited and I just wanted to take a note and I was so happy. So Shaw is killed by Dom. Yes. Killed. Yes. We are led to believe he is killed, and we know that's not true, because we live in the real world. Uh, but we see that he is killed by Dom, and then at the end, when they do, and I thought that this was pretty smart, they do like a surprise reveal of all the heist parts in place, and they show you everything that happened. The delayed payoff. Yeah, great delayed payoff. Shaw was not killed. Shaw was, in fact, rescued by the fucking Dominicans. Yes. I was so happy. Yeah. I was, talk about a delayed payoff. Yeah, that's three movies in the making, four movies in the making. When they tied all that shit together and showed the, okay. And the Dominicans even got to do a little banter. They had their banter back. Which, uh, uh, speaking of their banter in this movie as a whole, the first Fast and Furious movie with traditional-ass subtitles, I believe, very enjoyable. What do you mean traditional? They don't, like, zoom all around or appear all... Like, they're just at the bottom of the fucking screen. Where they fucking should be. Yeah, I mean... I don't... I don't... Subtitles are subtitles. I appreciate them because I don't speak all languages. Mm-hmm. I just say I just want this isn't a lot to ask for any movies going forward in the Fast and Furious universe, but just keep the original Japanese. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> subs, subs, subs not, only. Sub, subs, not dubs. Subs only. Uh, but no, I definitely think that uh, the the Dominican showing up. Okay, this is something that I can talk about about the movie. The Dominicans! The Dominicans. This is something that I can talk about, uh, about the movie as a whole. And it's something that kind of stretches from the thing with the Dominicans when Dom's plan is revealed to the very end. Yeah. This movie does the Fast Five thing. It gives you huge rushes from seeing the thing happen. Yeah. Like, but... It doesn't do what Fast Five did. It does what Fast Five did. I mean, but what, it doesn't do what Fast. What Fast Five, Five did. did was it showed you the pieces of the heist that inverted the heist. Yes, but I feel like what uh, Fate of the Furious did was like uh, intertextual, like within the series. The things that it showed you happening were things that happened in this movie. The Dominicans from previous movies tying everything together in this like really beautiful crescendo submarine fight. You get to see everything come together. I loved that submarine fight, dude. It was so dumb. Uh, Oh, I loved it. The power rankings of the final set pieces. If we just rank those, it of course goes the safe. Safe number one. Then it's gotta be the submarine. Yeah. Then maybe tank plane. I, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that power ranking. Yeah. (laughs) The the submarine, like, it was one of those things where it's like, it, like it did, watching Dom go in, it didn't feel like the beginning of the like the end set piece. Mm-hmm. But by the time we spent forty minutes on it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is it." Like, yeah, it's like it happened in stages. Whereas the previous set pieces 
we kind of like had a moment of preparation before the end of the set piece, like going mm-hmm. into that set piece. Mm-hmm. But this one was kind of like it evolved naturally. It did. It it's something that never came as a surprise. It's not a tank just exploding out of a carrier. But there was a moment during watching this movie that the propeller on the the submarine kept spinning up, and we kept seeing the submarine. At some point, I was like, "Holy shit." They're going to fight this submarine. Yeah. Because you don't realize it immediately. You don't immediately think that's what's going to happen. Well, you see the submarine on land propped up by all these beams and they're like, okay. And they're trying to like steal nukes. They'll just do yeah. a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 thing and just launch the nukes from the sub where it is. Hey, but then it's like, no, I, you know, they, 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 save, they get the ship or whatever. I, who cares? Isn't little nobody in on that? What? Is he there? He's there. He gets the one who pulls out the chip. Yes, he's inside the submarine. Where does he go during the car chase? He disappears from the movie. <laughs> what happened to I him? I feel like he leaves. I feel like he's he outside might... of the submarine. Did he leave with the chip or something? He's like, whoa, <laughs> I'm going to leave with the chip. I have no idea. That's so weird. I have no idea. He might happening. just vanish. Oh my god, he's a ghost. Uh, he's fucked because that submarine blew up. He was dead the whole time. <laughs> he was a little nobody. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, submarine. They fought it. I, I, yes. And... Probably the greatest thing you can do with a submarine that's under ice. Not launch missiles or whatever. Use the submarine as a fucking weapon and have it come up like a like a whale breaching. Yeah. To, 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 to like launch... Oh, man. That final sequence is so good. It's really good. The final sequence... It's two Italian chefs kissing each other. Yes. Because the you have the two Italian chefs. You have the one, the submarine sequence... Which is the one chef. And the second chef is the airplane sequence with the baby and Jason Statham. They're happening concurrently, uh, have direct correlation to each other that you only realize at the very end because Charlize Theron was actually on the plane the whole time. You didn't realize that? Uh, they they act like it's a, how did you know where I was? She was on the plane, what? obviously. It was obviously the plane. Uh, but, but it was also like the tracker. How could you track the plane because she yeah. was in this weird untrack i don't care yeah that's not important but it was so good it was so good oh my god that baby stuff alvin and the chipmunks best scene of the whole movie is when they focus on the baby and baby is fully in focus and then there's just enough of like a focus pull back that you don't see jason statham just pounding this dude's head into a counter over and over again oh yeah so, That's the point where he's like, I don't want you to see this. And yeah. he, he changes the baby. like, you're, you're good? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go get this guy. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. So good. Because so, he's like, you're going to shoot a baby? <laughs> so so he like, murders that guy. Yeah, you murdered Han. But yeah, you've got morality about a baby now. Yeah. It's, oh boy. I really like Jason Statham <sighs> in this movie. He, I feel like they're, I feel like, okay, so he, he sat down. At his, as his contract negotiation meeting, and he he looked at Chris Morgan dead in the eyes, and he was like, "You're you're gonna give me a personality now, right, mate?" Yeah, because I'm Jason Statham. That's a pretty good Jason Statham. This is how I sound. <laughs> Silent sound is that? What you- <laughs> this is how I sound. Oh, I, thought you- I can't do a gravelly. Like he's the only person I know with a gravelly British accent. Oh, you wanted to hear how to do it? Yeah, I'm a lobster. I'm a lobster. There My name's go. Jason Statham and I'm driving cars. That's accurate. That's what he does in the movie. <laughs> anyway. 
what else do we have to talk about? I feel- oh, for the first time and forever. Why don't I start a sentence <laughs> and, then, and, then and then drink a Corona Light? <laughs> you were talking. Here's the thing. That is not podcast etiquette. Here's the thing, Henry. People in the past, in all of human history, have begun sentences just to give themselves a momentary excuse not to be drinking light beer. <laughs> that was so... You had a perfect out to save yourself a sip of Corona Light. That was a complete opposite thing. You don't do that on a podcast. You don't start a sentence and then take a sip, leaving your your, your co-host with nowhere to go. What I was going to say is, not uh-huh. since Carter Verone have we seen a villain, like, get away. Yeah, Carter Verone got away to... Hold on, wait. <laughs> God damn it. Gross. He gargled it. Uh, Carter Verone got away to prison. Yeah, and Cypher got away to the skies. Cypher Cypher escaped. She's going to come back for sure. uh, Which is kind of a shame because I thought the catharsis of Cypher just being straight up murdered would be great. But she's kind of the best villain we've got going. So I look forward to her return. Yeah, Chris Morgan was like, "I I, I got a good villain. And she's a woman. I can't do this again. She, can't, she gets out that plane. We can't Johnny Tran this. I saw something I shouldn't have seen. What? Johnny? What Does Johnny Tran come back? I saw something I shouldn't have seen. It's a rumor, but I saw something I shouldn't have seen. God damn it. Johnny Tran comes back. Anyway, where... So Cypher escapes. That's... Actually, that's it. Cypher escapes. Can we talk about one of my favorite sequences in the movie? Uh, no, this is very dumb. And I come into this understanding that if I explain when this thing happened and my reaction to it, that uh, I'm willing to be made fun of. All right. Uh, so remember when I said that Furious 7 was the first of these movies to make me cry? This was the second. Really? You Here, cried during this movie? I didn't fully cry. And it's during a very... Did you feel the, the pull? Like the yearning? Oh, I felt them welling up in my eyes. It's like a deep thing in your heart? Yes. And also my eyes. Oh, okay, well. Uh, but it's... the moment in which it happened, and it's so dumb, but during the whole submarine thing, which is great, cathartic, action-packed, scary... Right? When Dominic Toretto rolls his car and is about to be killed by an explosion, all of his friends' cars converge, forgiving him of all of his sins and saving him from imminent death. And for some reason, the combination of, like, everything I had been watching up to that point in the movie and everything that I had been drinking made me, like, have little tears in my eyes. It was so good. It comes out of nowhere, and it's so fucking fast and familiar. I'm not going to comment on it. It's so good. I can't make fun of you because to make fun of men's emotions is not right in our society. You're right. And if you felt... A yearning to, to, you know, to cry. Hey, that's all well and good. I think all I wrote was sudden car shield and I moved on with my day. <laughs> sudden car shield, uh, perfect movie moment. Oh, in that moment I was like, but holy shit, radiation and, and, and stuff. Yeah. And the movie 
takes your hand. <laughs> Roman's like, no, no, no. Roman is your cipher in this moment. Yeah, Roman's Roman, like, we gotta get out of here. We've got radiation everywhere. And, yeah. and then Tej takes your hand and says, no, 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 baby. They weren't activated. Therefore, they the radiation, like the, the radioactive material didn't activate. Yes. And I still am like, but they all blew up. They all blew up, though. Uh, you, uh, you know what a nuclear football is? A nuclear football... Drawing from context clues, John, and I haven't done this since the fourth grade, mind. Drawing from context clues, a nuclear football is a metal silver briefcase that is handcuffed to a Russian emissary. You know, did I nail it? You're not wrong. I know. So a nuclear football is a uh, it's a briefcase or any encrypted device or secured device that has nuclear launch codes in it. And they call it a football. Why? Because it passes from person to person until it gets to the end zone, which is its destination. So it's not stored anywhere. It's in a physical, secured location that has to pass from individual to individual to get where it needs to go. And uh, I... Where does it need to go? I don't know. Russian... Uh, but... Why is it in America? You know. Oh, dude. That zombie car thing was so cool. Oh, Yeah! That was so good! I remember the joke during that sequence. Please continue. So, I have to set up the context. Um, Cypher at one point says, make make it rain on them. And cars start, drop, start dropping out of uh, parking garages onto them and exploding. Mm-hmm. And the joke I wrote was, gives a new definition to the word car bomb. Okay, yeah. Wasn't a good joke, you... <laughs> I mean, it is a joke. It is a joke in that you said something with the intention of it being humorous. Yeah, but I, I, I just told a story. Can I tell another story? Yes. So I can I uh, interrupt? Yes. So you can tell this story, but at some point during this story, you have to say the words "ejectocito cuz." You I, can only complete the story if you interject it somewhere. All right, I will. Um, Growing up as a young lad, and this movie came out in 2017, so I don't know why I'm starting this way. Uh-huh. I was not in tune with the Fast and Familia, the fuck you, as it were. And, uh, but I, I, I saw trailers because I went to see other movies of this, of these movies. Mm-hmm. And I called, you're like, oh, what are I going to do? Skydive cars? And then the trailer shows them skydiving cars. Yeah. This movie's trailer started. I don't know what I was seeing, but I was in the theater. I was like, what? Are the cars going to start attacking? <laughs> and then it showed... There was a sequence where he's, where the cars started attacking. Yeah. And then I was like, Haha, I'm not seeing this movie. Ejecto Cito, cuz. <laughs> and I ejected myself from the theater. That's a pretty naturalistic place to put in that unnecessary requirement I put on your storytelling. I am a fucking writer. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, the cars did attack, and I thought it was pretty cool, because we've never seen, not since the days of the Too Fast, Too Furious scramble, have we seen that many cars doing that many things. I like it because, like, for for a lot of the movie, it's like, oh, it's just Dom. He doesn't really have, like, we see this crew, this evil crew, and I was like, oh, good, it's another evil crew, we're gonna do this thing again, but they don't run with him. Not at all. Dom's by himself, so I was like, wait, how is he going to pull this off by himself? Because he's Dominic fucking Toretto. And also he has a, an army of fucking zombie cars mm-hmm. that some other dude hacks and not her. She he, doesn't hack it. He has an army of zombie cars. He has uh, the army of two uh, outfit on with the ballistic mask and the... 
Wait, that video game where oh, that yeah. co-op video game army of two? Hell yeah. <laughs> That's my cultural touchstone, motherfucker. Uh, Weird but, but, reference, dude. But he has that uh, that little ballistic shield. And I love the confidence of Dominic Toretto. Because when the guy like wastes all of his submachine gun bullets, he drops it. Because he's like, I bet he doesn't have any more. <laughs> So our intel says he only has the one clip. <laughs> Who yeah. am I to think he has a reload? He's got 24 bullets. We're done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Zombie cars were cool. What the fuck was I saying? You mentioned zombie cars and I went off on two stories. It was. I feel like the zombie cars were an interjection football, in the thing I was talking about. Football. Grappling dumb. hook car. Oh! Oh, the grappling hook car oh! sequence was so good, too. What did I write? I wrote, like... This is the first car combat, car to car fighting. Yes, like, I wanted to make a point about this. This is the first movie in the and this the most recent movies. No martial arts. Yeah, few fist fights. Uh, Letty fights a guy with a glass shard on the uh, on the boat submarine, mm-hmm. but fewer fist fights. Other than the Hobbs and Shaw stuff. Well, yeah, of course. Sorry, the prison break scene, of course. Yeah, but it's so it's like okay, we're not going to get a martial artist. Mm-hmm. We're going to do fewer fist fights. But we still need to show conflict. Yeah. So what better way? The cars are going to fight each other. Yes. With grappling hooks. And like Dom submits himself as like the Captain America elevator sequence. And I don't... What? The first Avengers are... I don't even know when that that took place. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, yeah, I know Carfu. Yes. What do you want from me? Like he just destroys their plant. I don't... their, really plan like is, their plan is so good for a lot of reasons because it is, uh, number one, it's a Dragon Ball Z powering up sequence because they've got him locked in and they're like, how many horsepower does he have? 2,000? Oh, 3,000, easy. 3, and then you see, like, his tires start to ignite with fire and then his tires explode into flames and like, more like five. Yeah. <laughs> He, at, at that point, he, he fucking went super sad. But also, one thing that I like the most about that car combat scene, we actually get a fun callback. Not a callback necessarily, but it's something that I love that movies do, is they show that something we showed you previously is known to be true, so we demonstrate a second time. Uh, Dominic Toretto can tear cars apart with his hands, so he's inconvenienced by a grappling hook in the door, so he goes, ugh, and just explodes the door off of his car. Doesn't open it, he just hits it off. Yeah. So he he's fantastically good at destroying cars with his bare hands, even his own. Wait a second. We've seen him fight, sure, but that's against other humans, and he doesn't quite show off the same super strength. But we do see him lift a supercar, a bulletproof supercar. Oh, holy shit. We've seen him tear cars apart, and we saw him destroy his door. What if he has super strength, but only on cars? Okay, so I know we haven't done this for a while. What? Dominic Toretto. Yeah? Unquestionably, he is a barbarian. Or a warrior. But I, hear me out. A carbarian. He's a carbarian. Preferred enemy. Cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, so you have to take like a level of ranger or something to get like a favored enemy. I can see him being ranger. So like one... one Because he's fast. I guess rangers are fast. He's fast. He can see things. So, so uh, one level of ranger and the rest, all of the rest, and carbarian. Yes, he, he just did it for favored enemy. And it's really poetic because cars are his life. But they're also his greatest enemy. He, he he definitely lives by the motto, live by the car, die by the car. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, that is absolutely true. Oh man, so many good callbacks <laughs> to his to his class. <laughs> to his, we never discussed his class. We we discussed Brian's class, we did. which was like Fallen Paladin Rogue, Fallen Paladin Rogue, and then the full Paladin of Hobbs. Yes, Deckard Shaw's full assassin, hundred percent Rogue, Rogue has Assassin to, Slayer. Has oh, he's a Slayer without a doubt. Yeah. If we're going by Pathfinder shit, well, I, I'm just pulling in from my collective knowledge of all role playing games. Uh, Letty, of course, is a cleric. No. <laughs> um, please, Letty is a wizard. Uh, wizard Letty. But I, I definitely think that uh, I I like the fact that he destroyed his own car. I don't yeah. know where I was going with that. It's a good, it's, it's, this movie is chock full of genuinely good moments. Okay, I don't know if this is just because 7 was so bad. It might be. And it might be, but 8? Left me feeling like, I, and with the knowledge that this is the last movie, I I was proud that this was the last movie. Not proud, but glad. Yeah, you were glad it was over. I was in the exact same boat because, like, it, it was a good it was a good ride. It was, and it was good. And seven was so bad. Yeah, I feel like now going into eight, we watched five. And five, the best one by far. Five made me feel excited for what we were doing. Uh, because I think that we would be, I, I don't think we would be right in saying that our enjoyment or our, uh, our viewing of these movies is separate from the fact that we're doing it to create content on a podcast. We're not just doing it for fun, though it is fun. Uh, but we also have to talk about our experiences as someone, as people who are basically honor bound to watch these movies. Yeah, we weren't watching this by choice. At five, I felt vindicated. I was like, this is the reason we've watched four of these movies, because at this point onward, these movies are going to reward our good faith, because they all have the same writer and director, and going forward, these movies are going to be, like, fantastic, huge espionage romps, as good as Fast Five, I would understand if there's some variance, and then Six and Seven were so bad. They were six like, and Seven are some of my least favorite movies. Yeah, the, it, Five wrote a check that Six and Seven could not cash. Yeah, don't... Don't let your five write checks that your six and your seven can't cash. But after, like, going into eight, I was dreading it. Because I'm like, this is going to be another stupid, uh, misogynistic, rote, unnecessary movie that I'm going to regret having watched because they're all creeping over two hours long. And I've got, to be honest with you, not a lot of time. Uh, and I oh, watched it. My name's John. I uh, have no time to have fun. I watched it. I'm excited again. Good. There's enough good stuff in this movie that made me excited to maybe watch another one. It, it does bring in the question, what if it's like a weird kind of like thing where it's it's every two movies, or, or every three movies, really. Okay, wait. Let's... Five was good, six, seven was bad, eight it was good. Uh-huh. That's the and thing. then it also makes sense because... Three and four were bad, but Too Fast, Too Furious is the best movie ever made. I don't want to talk <laughs> to you uh, anymore. But that might be it, and that, which would be a bummer. But I think that uh, I might be 100% wrong. I think Hobbs and Shaw is directed by F. Gary Gray as well. I don't know that. I, I don't know that either. I looked I looked under Chris Morgan's uh, IMDb just to see. Also, we can't look it up. Not right now. Uh, I looked up his IMDb to see what projects he had in the pipeline. 
This is interesting. And it may just be how contracts work. So he's got Hobbs and Shaw. Uh-huh. He's got nine. Yes. That's it. Yeah, so the contract for Fast was up to nine. So now, seven... But wait. You yes. look at Vin Diesel's IMDb page. He's up for nine. He's also up for ten. Yes. So the the thing about, like, acting... So contract lengths are different. Yeah. So basically, actors can say, I'm up for this many entries, whether or not they make that many. Uh, but writers are typically a little bit different. Because they have to... Don't, do they have to, like, produce the script to be, like, on the movie? Like... I don't know. I don't it, know if that's true. I don't know either. But I know that typically writers have shorter contracts than actors... Because, uh, I mean, this is a great example of it. But I also feel like uh, fast movies kind of get greenlit in batches of two. Okay. Because when you had, uh, when four came out, they said, okay, five and six. When six came out, they said, okay, seven and eight. And then when eight came out, they said, okay, nine and ten. So Hobbs and Shaw and Fast Nine. Well, Hobbs and Shaw, does that count? Because it's technically a spinoff. Now, see, this is an interesting quandary for the podcast. And it, it, it becomes like a weird layman, like, counting the main series versus Hollywood. We just met the next two. Yeah, I don't know if that would count in, in contract agreements. It's it's tough to say. Maybe we should get a look at those contracts. If Chris Morgan's ever on the show, he could maybe flash some paper at us. I never reached out to him because I'm afraid of... Talking to people because I, I'm paradoxically introverted. That's fine. We need a PR person. We do. Chris Morgan's available. No, he's, he's not. He's not signed on to Fast 10. He could be our PR but he's, person. He's still fast. He's still tied on to, to Hobbs. We just have show, to wait like four years. Which is coming out next year, so sorry, written. But uh, what was. He's signed on for Fast 9. Shit. Well, we have to wait like two years. And he's also a writer? That doesn't mean he's going to be good at PR. I mean, writers, they shape reality to their whims. No, they don't! <laughs> that's why you're so successful. Oh, yeah, that's why I'm so good at what I do. Uh, what if writers were just mini wizards? That's what they are. Sorcerers. Sorcerers would be better. Wizards, magic controls them, but sorcerers create magic from nowhere. Yeah, but, you Ace know, sons wizards of sons and all that. Let me ask you, as a writer, let me ask you what you do more often. Do you sit contemplate and then come up with ideas or do you read a bunch of books and then come up with ideas based on what you digested yeah you a wizard the second one you're a wizard some writers are sorcerers and And some writers are wizards you know some writers are goddamn barbarians i gotta finish the southern reach trilogy uh anyway (sighs) i feel like with that lull in the action we've talked about basically everything we wanted to in the movie we did I mean, we, that wasn't a question. That was a, that was yeah, agreeing. That no, was agreeing. But I feel like almost at this point we can get into uh, we can get into the metrics, which is sad because this that's the last time until the next one. Yes, that we uh, will talk about the metrics. That we will t- no no yeah that we will talk about the our main thoughts about a movie. Yes, and now we're entering the last time we'll talk about the metrics. And of course, uh, as last time, I believe I introduced a new metric, or maybe it was the time previous to that. No, it was the last time. Treatment of Chris Morgan. Treatment of Chris Morgan. I believe I would like to add another one that we will discuss later. All right, we'll put it at the end, because first got to get to... Is there an order to these? Or There's we... no order. We okay. flip-flopped them around. Which uh, one do you want to do first? Coronas. Corona count! Because that is the quickest and the easiest. So we have... Okay, so correct my math if I'm wrong. 
Last movie, we were down four. Last movie, we started down four. We did the gambit and we drank the Belgian beer, so we consumed four. And as part of that, we negated the lead. But we also watched a movie that had three Coronas in it, one of which was drank. Doesn't matter, three Coronas. We were down three and by the last podcast episode. Yes, because we negated the lead and at the end we were down three. Yes. This movie has a whopping two Coronas. That I counted and John missed. I did I not see these Coronas at all. I just saw Budweiser's at the see, end. Uh, honestly, I had to really look for it. It was at the, the dinner scene at the end. My note said, oh no, there's a dinner scene. But then... I was very concerned. When there was a dinner scene, I was like, we're fucked. I, I, because I was, me our, too. our gambit was assuming they wouldn't drink like 12 Coronas at that dinner. But then it was they were all red cans, red bottles. like Red bottles of Budweiser. But in the bucket next to some red bottles... Was one Corona. I don't know why. Uh-huh. And then at the at the scene where Dom is presenting his newborn child. Brian. Brian, which, oh my god. That um, almost made me cry. That almost made me That's where I felt the pull, because like, oh man. Yeah. I almost felt, I almost, for a second, I was like, are they going to name this kid Paul? Are they going to... That would have, oh my god. Are they going to make... that... If, if they had done that, I would have actually cried because I was like, oh, these movies like are fully aware that people know what's up. So the camera's looking up at Dom standing up with with uh, with new baby, and then it shifts to show just like a wide shot of some reaction shots. And in the lower left corner, mm-hmm. there is one open corona. Oh, shit. So two. So two, which would bring us to five. But we just drank six. I'm on the 6-1. This is number 6 right Wait, here. Wait, Henry. We were down 3. There were 2 in this movie. You don't need to finish that Corona. I don't. However, I will. That's amazing, though. You know what? You we... know why I will? Why? This is a memorandum for Paul Walker. Instead of pouring it out for my homie. Instead of pouring it in onto the street, you'll pour it into the street inside of you. I will pour it into the road, the quarter mile within me. Well... Do you want to chug it? No, I do not want to chug it. I will sip it gradually through the rest of the episode. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. I just, I I never want to make it so people feel like they can't chug. Uh, but yes. I've never chugged anything my entire life. Really? Really. Man. I started drinking at 23, so I was already an adult by the time. <laughs> yeah. I had, by the time the alcohol met me. Did you know that at 23 I had already been drinking for eight years? Jesus Christ. I'm not healthy. Wow. Anyway. What were you saying? So, number of Coronas. We won. We were one up. We relatively kept it to a six-pack per after the first one. And we actually managed to keep up, catch up, and finish ahead. It's really weird because we didn't plan. We honestly just planned to buy one six-pack per episode, really. For the first two, that was the idea. Is and, we were just be drinking Corona. And there were so many movies without Corona in them that we just ended up, like, averaging out. Like, there would be no no, no Corona for two movies. And then in the, th- the, the next one, there were, like, a billion Corona. But, like, I don't know. It was weird. I really like this. Yeah. I really like this exercise and, like, in celebration with the series. I don't know if it can ever be repeated. I don't know if it could. I feel like it's maybe a lightning in a bottle. But also I would like to add uh, just something on the end. And this kind of goes into what I want to talk about as far as metrics go. 
I want to add a uh, what's a postmortem to the corona consumption. I'm so sorry that I'm hiccuping. Oh my god! This is the first time a, a postmortem to the corona. A postmortem to the corona consumption. We've and, we've won at the end. Yeah, we won. So they owe us. We as the winners can write the history books. So both of us now about a hundred dollars deep in Corona for all the movies we've watched. I never actually looked at how much a six pack of Corona costs. It's about ten, twelve bucks. What? That's the same as like vanilla porter. Corona's expensive. Why do we do this? <laughs> uh so we have drank about a hundred dollars worth of Corona. Alright. And this is mate this is without question. Is that including the, the sorry to cut you off. The familiars. The familiars. Yes. The familiars were a little, were actually more economical in a weird way. Okay. Uh, but having drank about a hundred dollars worth of Corona, which is more Corona than I've drank in my entire life, I was, I was seriously trying to think about it. And maybe other than incidental parties, I think I've had two Coronas in my life because I, I genuinely don't care for the beer. I never had it before this venture. So I've had Dos Equis. What do we think of... Oh, Dos Equis is a way better beer. Yeah. Way. Like so Modelo. I, if we had replaced all of these with Modelo, I would happily do this podcast. I pass a Modelo board, a billboard every day on my way to work, and I always look at it and think, you're not Corona. Yeah, you're not Corona. So, so what do we think? What do we think about Corona? Look, I'll come out and say it. There was a time in America where we didn't know beer. Yes, there there definitely was. I have a whole rant about this recent Budweiser commercial that's playing on Hulu about like oh it's for the many not for the few. I've got a I got really deep thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say is of the mass produced for the for the masses beer, Corona is leagues above Coors, leagues above Bud Light. I've never had Mishner or whatever it's called. It's not Mishner. That's the name of Miller. The- Miller. Yeah. I've never had Miller, but I'm going to say it's leagues above Miller. I've had a lot of Miller. You're right. And, and, and pales in comparison to PBR only in price. Yes. And in my opinion, taste. I think that PBR actually tastes better than Corona. PBR has a, a weird place in my heart because I was a grad student for a long time. A long time. Two years. Yes. And PBR was the most like cost of efficient beer at a lot of bars when i was living off stipends yes and so i like for that reason it's okay in my book i feel as someone who is kind of like a weird beer snob as we almost got into like the weird depths of my depravity when we were talking about that dumb belgian beer uh i'm by said i'm a i'm a weird beer snob but at this point we should talk corona and Corona doesn't taste great, and I'm not going to say it's amazing, but if someone was like, hey, do you want to drink a Budweiser, a Miller, a Coors, or a Corona? Corona every Corona. time. It, Corona actually tastes pretty okay. It's really weird. As you drink more, it gets better. <laughs> it's 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 a classic cheap beer thing, because as you drink it, you become inoculate, inoculated to the bad parts of the taste. So it's just like drinking, like, soda. Honestly... The light version, which is only 99 calories per bottle, or is that even true? I don't know. Is it per serving and there's like four servings in the bottle? It's tough to say. Um, the light version, after the first couple of sips, you don't even taste it. Indistinguishable from regular Corona because they both just wear on your palate so that you don't pay attention to what you're drinking anymore. 
you know, they don't have to give nutritional facts with beer because it they don't. It falls under uh, the D. No, the FDA. No, it doesn't. Oh, oh, the Department fa- of Alcohol and Firearms. No, yeah, fuck. It, yeah, firearms, tobacco, and alcohol, or something. Firearms. ATF. Yeah, it falls under that, so they don't have to provide nutritional facts on it. Yeah. So they could print anything on the box and say, oh yeah, it's only 99 calories, and no one can, can go against them. <laughs> they really can't. Uh, uh, but yeah, Corona is okay. That's my post-mortem on the Corona segment. Corona's fine in a bind. It is. I would drink a... Really, if you put a gun to my head and asked me to drink a Corona, I'd probably drink it. Uh, and then we move on to our second metric, of course, which is treatment, treatment of, of women. Uh... And how do you feel this movie did? Look, I don't know. We open up on butts. We open up on butts for sure. The most respectable butts of really any movie so far. I mean... Other than Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift had like two butt shots, and then that super snazzy guy. I really like this super snazzy guy. If all the characters to come back, if he had come back, I would have no questions. Yes. Persona character through and through. I'll say, like, the the race girl in this movie had a similar outfit to the race girl in Seven. Mm -hmm. There were less gratuitous shots of the outfit. A camera did not go up a butt. But it was the same outfit. Yeah. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Letty didn't really have the death of character that I wanted her to have as a main player in these movies. Yes. Elena exists. To be killed. To be a, a hostage for Dom and be killed. To have children be killed. Uh, but then you have Cypher, who is... The most powerful, enigmatic, and charismatic villain the series has seen. And she's super complicated. Super complex. She's very smart, very capable. But it's like a weird thing where we don't really understand her motivations. And she even tells us the motivation where it's like, oh, accountability. I want... If any of these countries pull shit... I want to hold them accountable, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like that is a really weak motivation. And yes. then there's the whole weird personal revenge on Dom angle, which is like, oh, she's just a vengeful woman. Mm-hmm. And she kisses him because like, oh, it's going to hurt Letty. I honestly don't know where I stand. I feel like, to be honest with you, I feel like this movie has slightly better treatment of women than most of the other ones. I will say the last Seven was Papa problematic. Two Ps. Two Ps. I'm willing to drop both Ps and go back down to Roblematic. Uh, I'd say that's okay. Yeah. Was, uh, which one dropped us down to problematic? Was that Tokyo Drift? I don't remember. I don't, yeah. I don't listen to these episodes. I'd say Roblematic. I would say I'm a soft Oblomatic. Hmm. I would almost drop the R. Just because, okay. just because characters weren't given like the depth of character and, and Elena just existed to be killed. But generally, I mean, in this movie, women were given greater places of power, weren't objectified as much. The Ramsey stuff was gross, but there was really only one moment of it. She and then a, she like totally like blew them off. Yeah, she, she totally has a great moment where she's like, they're fighting over both. I'm oh, sorry. They are both fighting over her. Without her ever really expressing interest in either of them, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, okay, that's unbalanced. But then she says, like, I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. What's my last name? And it's like, that shows like, oh, they really don't know her as a person. So they really, yeah. I don't want to say have no claim because no one has any claim over anyone. But that just shows like, oh, you're really just superficially interested. Mm-hmm. Even like you're, you're talking about common interests. You don't know her as a person. Therefore, you really don't have... 
the ground to stand on when you say you want to get interested in her or whatever. Yeah. Really good moment. So I say, so I say Roblomatic, you say Oblomatic. Yes. We average the two together, divide by two, Lobromatic. Lobromatic. I think that's half of the R. I think that's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, Lobromatic. Man, we're so good at <laughs> fucking coming up with stupid shit. We really are. And then, uh, of course, we have the post the postmortem to um, treatment of women. Good point. How do we feel that the series... Do we feel like the series as a whole has been a good or an ill to the treatment of women in movies? You, Which is a big conversation. It's a huge conversation. And, like, so many of these conversations about, like, treatment of women in media come down to, like, these weird... Not weird. These wide sweeping statements, mm-hmm. like women are are objectified and they're sexual objects. The male gaze is an actual technique in filming to to show like women as desirable things. And it's only when we zoom out each of these movies we've talked about, like how each movie treats women. Mm-hmm. Zoom out on the series as a whole, and you can kind of see what the what this theory about like this feminine feminist theory is talking about i mean if we take one of the most successful movie franchises in history and we look at everyone and their treatment of women we've had serious things to say about every one of them and they're not good really too fast and fate of the furious we've had the least to say about yeah which is a shame because both of those are kind of shitty for how they treat women i will say as a whole the series is very, is problematic it, there's yeah. no way around it Each... i'd say if we averaged everything together with our problematics and our yeah. problematics we'd ar- we'd arrive that the series as a whole is actually kind of problematic and you can boil it down to one thing and we've mentioned it every single episode of the series each one of these movies has a car scene. Mm-hmm. And in that car scene and when i say car scene i mean like the scene around the race the racing scene yeah it's still hard to say because it's movies. You know what I... Yeah, the scene about race. The the scene, the, 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 the atmosphere around racing. Yes. And they're all the same. They're all butts. Yeah. Scantily clad women mm-hmm. who are not... Some are racing. You know, a tiny, tiny... An iota yeah. of credit there, but most are set dressing. Yeah, most are just decoration. And that's the problem. Yeah, and, and it's something that I feel like the movies pay homage to just because it's... In the DNA of the series, but maybe uh, we shouldn't honor things that are disrespectful to begin with. And it's every movie. Every movie. Every single one. And I called it out each time. It has one of these scenes where we see women scantily clad around cars. And like, it's like they threw a bone. They're like, oh yeah, sometimes the women race. Mm -hmm. And isn't that cute? Yeah. But it's really like, this. these movies are now these huge espionage, like international terrorist movies and yet they still do it and yet they still do it that's the problem yeah and they i feel like they in some way feel like they owe something to an older style of like male gaze filmmaking so problematic for sure and i mean that's a conversation that we can have all day but i just thought it would be interesting to look on it look at it as a whole because i thought that maybe by the end everything would average out to be okay there's still we we can talk about our fun like problematic problematic scheme all day yeah but at, it's still us talking about movies that for the most part at least one of us has serious reservations about the treatment of women in at least every one of these movies so uh just that's something them, that needs to be worked on just give them more agency they could dress like that if they want but also like yeah. they're also racing they're not just there yeah. standing by some guy yeah, they can dress like that if they want to, but if you're going to dress them like that, dress the rock like that as well. 
equal treatment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that ass and brains. I, I really hate that. That is my <laughs> least favorite line of the entire series. I can't believe it came out of the rock of all people. So mouths. speaking of Chris Morgan. Oh my god. Are we talking about the treatment of Chris Morgan? <laughs> Moving out of the treatment of Chris Morgan. He's gotten off with too much for too long and I stand by that. I like this movie. I like the writing in this movie. I like the dialogue in this movie. Really I'm, second to Fast Five in terms of all of those things. Of the movies he's done, this is probably the second best he's done, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if he got a better cocaine dealer. I'm just assuming all writers His writing's all over cocaine. the place, my dude. Like, it's... His well, quality is yeah, so insane. It's a rehab. That might be it. So, uh, post... Percocet. Percocet. Molly What's per- Percocet? Molly Percocet. Percocet. Is that a painkiller? No, it's like a thing. Uh, and then, of course, drugs. the post-mortem. Should to I do th- drugs? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the post-mortem to the treatment of Chris Morgan. I want him on the show. I want him on the show. And then, of course, we move into the final metric that we have. The most important metric. Wait, d- you said you wanted to introduce a metric. I will. You want to do that before? No, I want to do that really? after. So we're moving on to the next metric. Because this is like the, the finale of what we've been doing. You want to... Okay. Maybe it's best no, if no. it goes... It might be best if it goes before. Now that, now no, that no, I think no. about it. No, no, no. Okay. We just flip-flops. God damn it. Why are we so weak as Let, people? Let's not flip-flop. I'll keep it last. Let's do the tier list. Because it actually fits with the theme. Tier list... So this is the the one you've all been waiting for, the one you've listened to this horse shit for. Uh, this is us discussing power power list most powerful Fast and Furious movies ranked definitively by the only two people that have seen them all. That's not true. The only two people who have seen them all and then committed them to tier lists while pretty drunk. Okay. Seven times. Yeah. Uh, so I think probably changing it up a little bit this week, you should probably go first, because I feel like I kind of hogged the spotlight last time. You really want me to go first? Yeah, I, I feel like it's been enough, I enough me. About it's that. been enough me. It's time Look, for... here. Look here, John. Yes. Look here, John, now. Uh-huh. I am not one to rock the boat, and I hate change. Uh-huh. That's a definitive fact about me. Let's stay the course. I honestly want you to go first. Okay, so let's just say this was like a coin flip and you got the coin, but then you chose who kicked off. And you choose me. You kick off. So I know that there was some conversation. We're going to go that way. Kicking off that way? Yeah. Uh, That is the bleachers. Uh, But I know that there was some conversation last time about maybe my list wasn't great. Well, to to your... Discredit. It was just John, and a yeah, lot of, a lot a of lo- the people who wrote in thought you were just describing yourself. A lot of people are named John, and people were pretty confused. I changed everything about my LinkedIn to say that as well. Yeah, uh, got a lot of really weird offers for hedge funds, uh, but I thought that maybe I'd change the name a little bit, make it much more accurate to what we're talking about. Yeah, bring it down. And I feel like thus far, maybe I've been a little too vainglorious. What? Your name is in your list. It is. So I would like to rename my list. Okay. So this week, I would like to present to you the Fast and the Furious Tokyo List. <laughs> that That's a perfect... Wait. Dare I say... 
three Italian <laughs> chefs making out furiously. Three, three Italian chefs. Uh, so Fast and the Furious Tokyo list. I would like to take this off because this is the last time that we will do any of these. Probably. Until the next one. Number one with an absolute bullet. I miss it. Is Fast Five. I, I, right here at the end, I believe Fast Five is one, is the best of these movies. One of the best action movies I've ever seen. I would gladly watch that movie again with anyone. Moving on to the second best Fast and Furious movie. This one's hard. This one's legitimately really tough. I know you prepared yours, but you didn't write yours down this week, and that's driving me. I'm going off the cuff. Oh my god, this is what I do. Second movie, second best movie. It's got to be the one that started it all, The Fast and the Furious. Because now, at the end, with with hindsight and reflection, I realize how important that was. And now that we have the best. And the second best, we move on to the third best, which is the last five minutes of Furious 7. Yeah. Made me cry. Then immediately following that, we have Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Uh, so, really, that's a... All of those things gave me the most feelings. Then we go Los Bandoleros, which I adored. Too Fast, Too Furious, which has been knocked down from its spot at the top <laughs> after, long, after long last. Uh, and then we have... Uh, fucking, at this point, the movies aren't that important. What have we got four left? You got number four, Fast and Furious. Uh, okay. You got Fast Six. Fast Six. You have Fast Seven. Fast Seven. You have the Turbocharged pre-sequel. Tokyo Drift. Uh, Fast Four, Fast Seven, Prelude. Where's Fast Six? Fast Six was... Shit. You didn't say... You said Tokyo Drift, Fast Tokyo. 4, Fast 7, Prelude. You gotta put 6 somewhere. Uh, Tokyo Drift, Fast 6. Fast 4, Fast, fast 7. Fast 4, Fast 7, Prelude. Alright. So 7 dropped a lot because it, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot and I think that Fast 7 is genuinely actually a very, very bad movie. I think that I was colored by how much I enjoyed the last 5 minutes and how much it affected me. Yeah. But... Separating that from that, since we have changed it up, uh, Furious 7 is an awful garbage, garbage movie. It's a fire. It's a garbage of fire. Of the dumpster variety. Absolutely. And now we move on to... I I know people... Man, the comments I get, they're like, change the name just once. Have a little fun with it. I was actually on the email, and uh, I got an email, and the subject just said, change the name. Yeah, and I know... And I the, knew what it was talking yeah. about. And you know what? No! The haters can walk. I'm keeping the name the same as it's been every week. We're doing Wheelman Henry's Fast and Loose Ultimate, Ultimate Fuck You Tier List 2018 Tier List motherfuckers. I feel like you said tier list twice. I might have, but I don't care. <laughs> so let's get into it. And uh, I, this is this is weird. I want John to verify. I wrote mine down this week. You told me that you did. And I had my phone. Did you see me typing on my phone while you were reading your tier list? I did. 
No, you, I did not. I did not type I actually, on my phone. I lied because I thought you were trying to get me to say that. I you, looked at my phone. I did not type it. Do you want to do another take of that that's more naturalistic? No. Okay. I was not typing. Okay. You never saw me, like, do this. I never did. All right. I wasn't paying a lot of attention, but I never did. Well, that's fine. I don't care, because <laughs> this is really weird. I'm a very bad magician's assistant. I, d- I wrote mine down this week, which was the first, and it's really weird, because, oh my god, John. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go through it line by line, and we'll honor our handshakes every time. Uh-huh. Said that like a Shakespeare play. <laughs> Number one with every car in the garage was Fast Five. Handshake. Uh, as as listeners know, we handshake whenever we agree. Best film of the series, possibly one of the better films of that era Agreed. in the action category. Number two is the original, the dirt of the series, The Fast and the Furious, the first movie. Uh, handshake again. Handshake again. Number two spot. Number three. For how it emotionally destroyed oh, me. no. Was the last five minutes of Fast 7. Handshake again. Handshake Number again. Number three spot. Number four. Is, this is really bizarre. This is... Wait, hold on. Is this why you asked it? Oh, this no. This is really bizarre. But I want you to verify the first four spots. The What's best, that number furious. four? I can't see uh, it. Oh, it disappeared. Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. Handshake again. Another handshake. Four for four. Four for four. And this is unprecedented. That's where it ends. Okay, good. But seriously, I was like, oh my god, are we going to do the whole list the same? And it was close, but it was not quite the same. But four for four. And that just shows you how good those four are. Yeah. We didn't, we agreed maybe on one or two the entire time. But now it's all come to center and we've agreed objectively. And so number five, the beginning of the difference, is Tokyo Drift. I really love that really? movie. I okay. really like anime. Okay. That, and that was that like a live sense. action anime. Okay. I, it was honestly a toss up between that and Los Band- Bandoleros, which is number six. Oh man, you were so close. So close. So close for so five. Close. Uh, number seven is Fast and Furious. Eh. Yeah. The rest of the list is kind of like, eh, who cares? Uh, wait, one, two, three. Really, four, after you've five, got four down, it's. Yeah, n- number eight is Fast Six. Sure. Uh, number seven. I is... really disagree with Fast and Furious being that high up because that's a really bad movie. Eh. Uh, number nine is Furious Seven. Uh huh. And I did a little retooling this this time. I don't know if you've caught on to what's happening here. I can kind of imagine. Uh, second to last. Yes. Is. Yes. One of the best music videos of all time, the Turbocharged pre-sequel to Too Fast, Too Furious. I feel like oh we can probably not. Oh my god, so we good. Probably One don't. line of dialogue tells the whole we, story. We probably don't have to finish the list and at this point. number 11, the very worst movie and the entire fuck you, unanimously voted by all of the Henry board, which is just me, number 11. And I want you, John, to do me the honors. Do me the honors. Read what's in that last spot, the last note, and my document spanning this entire series. What is number 11, John? You misspelled Los Bandoleros. <laughs> A lot, yeah. Uh, too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious, the worst movie in the fuck you of all time! Man. My throat is going to be dead tomorrow. This feels like kind of a Pyrrhic victory. Kind of like how you didn't actually win. You know... <laughs> 
that's what pyramids are. That's <laughs> yeah. the definition. Weird thing. Mm-hmm. Should we have a postmortem about our tier list? No, but we're actually going to have the final segment. Oh, that's right. You want another thing? Uh, so this is not a postmortem of the tier list because the tier list is about how we felt about these movies. And I would like to have a postmortem about, as it stands, the Fast and Furious franchise up to this point. Not how we feel about the films, because we've litigated that over hours on the podcast. Yeah, megabytes worth. But I would like to... Gigabytes in wave. I would like to talk about, for a short time or a long time, uh, how this experiment has affected our lives, our perception of the series, because we both came from very different places. One of us had seen significantly more of these movies. And uh, this is something that I haven't done with another person, maybe ever, which is like be honor-bound to watch a bunch of movies that I'm not necessarily interested in. Uh, So what did we think when we went into this, and what do we think now? Well, going into it, I had seen a couple of these movies and I thought, hey, these are going to be a, this is going to be a fun experiment and seeing like a series over time. And I honestly hadn't seen the last, I don't know. I, like my last movie was probably. I think you said five. Four. Really? I don't think I saw five. Okay. I think you said you saw five. I might be wrong. We can go back and listen to the tape. We won't, but you will. So write into us. And you have. You've listened <laughs> to the tape. But, um,. I thought it was just going to be a fun experiment and like a fun like writing observation. How do you write the same character over like two decades? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, when I went into it, yeah. um, I knew from talking to friends and seeing trailers and like being exposed to it over the 16 years that I was forced to that this is a movie franchise that I thought uh, increased in ridiculousness kind of linearly over time kind of became ridiculous action movies at a point and i i really thought that it was just like going to be this pretty rote game of one-upsmanship just like a like rocky or whatever just movies that get more ridiculous over time because their burden to their audience gets increasingly small and where did we end up uh well i ended up uh in a in an interesting place because if you watch a lot of movies over a period of time and you have to do a deep dive on them you start to appreciate them as pieces of art and performances by individuals but also i realized that like the things that i imagined these movies were completely wrong from afar these can seem like movies that just get increasingly ridiculous with increasingly like dense set pieces with more cars more explosions and that definitely is true but going on this and seeing like the different directors the changes in actors the actual really unfortunate real life things that happened during these movies i i ended up in a place where i really appreciate these movies they have a fascinating amount of restraint their level of quality and one-upsmanship is all over the place each one is kind of its its own individual thing and you never really know what you're gonna get so I feel like my picture of it is way more complex now. And there are things about these movies that I love dearly that I never thought would be interesting or long-lasting when we started. Like, my major takeaways are, number one, the relationship between the actual actors who are these characters on screen. 
because you see that grow and evolve over time as they age and they continue to work together when things change like when paul walker passes away it is something that affected me tremendously in real life when i saw the ramifications of that in the movie and then in addition we have like the relationship between roman and tej two characters who i thought would never return uh and you certainly tej yeah no way no way he returns but oh my god, he returns in full force. And and you see this like relationship grow over time. And then the relationship between Han and Giselle. And of course, the Dom and Letty thing. Oh yeah. The, uh, the Cruz. I feel like... That's not a word. I feel like the Dom and Letty thing is one of the greatest... One of the greatest relationships put to film for all of the problems it had. It's multifaceted, long-lasting, never stops being interesting. Yeah. So, I expected action set pieces with nothing, and it gave me a deep appreciation for these actors and the characters they play. I I mean, you look at other long-standing series, just to name one, look at James Bond, and you, there's the, there's the, the, the instinct or the impulse to sort of fold in on oneself and become a parody. Yes. And, and that happens to Bond. He becomes a pair, like, because you have different actors and because it's so long standing, like, it's, it's so overdrawn, it, it, it collapses in on itself and becomes self-referential. Yes. The same thing kind of happens in, like, The Force Awakens and the Star Wars uh, series. But you, you mentioned the restraint, and that's... You, we kind of lose, we kind of go off the rails a few times, a few times in six, a few times in seven, mm-hmm. where it is like a bigger and bigger set piece, a bigger yeah. and bigger, like jumping cars from a building. We got we to gotta put that in the trailer and like, that's the movie. Mm-hmm. But then Chris Morgan does a good job of kind of like putting those moments in there, but then sneaking in character work, sneaking in heart to hearts and, and like... All of this development, like developing characters, even like Deckard Shaw, who we should hate. Yeah. Because he killed Han and is responsible for Giselle. Mm -hmm. They're deaths. We still kind of like him because at the end of the day, like he, he's likable. Yeah. Somehow. And it really comes down to, as all good fiction does, it's character driven. These are good characters. We want to see what happens to them. We could care less what happens to the world, and there's more MacGuffins, more nightshade devices, more God's eyes and other things, EMPs, nuclear footballs. These are all, like, terms, empty phrases that just drive the action, but then it's we keep coming back for the characters. If, if a future movie in this series went back to 1300s Europe... And it was just all the same characters, but they were stealing horses. I'd still be on board. I want to see that. Kind of like the third Back to the Future movie where it's like, let's just do a Western for no reason. Yeah. I want Fast, let's say 10, to be like a weird time-traveling romp where it's like, Vin Diesel kind of like looks at his crew and is like, I guess we steal horses now. Yeah. And The Rock is like, give me a sword. Yeah, give me a sword and a big horse. Give me a sword and a big horse that has, like, armor on it. I would totally want... I would be down for... I would be excited for that. Yeah. And going into this... This whole venture, this experiment and jokes that we were gonna do... I probably would not... I would probably be like, oh, it's Sonic and the Black Knight. Jesus Christ, let's pull our teeth and get through this. But now I'd be like, no. 
I trust Chris Morgan. I definitely trust these actors. Yeah. I I want to be on any journey that they're on together. Uh, we expected to get dumb shit, and we got a master class in character writing. And honestly, like, I think that's why people go back to these movies. Things are successful for a reason. I- I'm sure, like, people are drawn in by the set pieces, by the by the stunts, by the physicality, by the, the effects and the explosions and the ramping danger. All of these things can draw people in, but I think what really puts butts in those seats... We want to see what happens with Dom and Letty. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like any audience is just a group of untrained geniuses. People have good taste. Things are successful for a reason. I don't think these movies have been so successful because they're dumb. Even if people say the things that they like most about these movies are the tanks and the submarines, the things that they actually like are the characters. And I think, like, a testament to that is, like, there's been eight of these movies. Two short films, sure. I'm not counting those. But, like, Expendables has kind of been around sort of the same length of time. Mm-hmm. There's only four of those. Yeah. And those are dumb. Yes, they're genuinely bad and dumb. And they have some of the same characters. Yes. Not characters, excuse me. Actors. Actors. They have some of the same actors, so it's like, it's not an actor thing. It's a story thing. It's a story thing. And I think for all of the bad Chris Morgan does... He weaves interesting characters, and that's all I can really ask from a writer. So I feel like uh, that's a pretty apt post-mortem on the, on the Fast and Furious franchise. I'm kind of sad to see this go. Yeah. But I can't wait till they reveal the title of the next, the, the ninth movie. Do you want to know what the title of the ninth movie is going to be? Wait, Devlin. Oh. What is it? <laughs> it's going to be, what? You thought... That we were going to stop at eight Fast and Furious movies? With a question mark? Uh-huh. And then one word answer? Nine! Like a German no. <laughs> like a German no! That's it! That's my set! I'll be here all week! How does it feel for that to be the last joke of the supplemental reading series? I feel great because I wrote it beforehand! <laughs> uh, don't come in here with uh, writtens. So... I wrote my tier list! You, you did. Uh, so I feel like... There's almost no good way to end this, but we have to. We have to end it. Do we? Yeah, we do. We do have to end it. Until next time. It. We have to end it until Hobbs and Shaw 2019. Yes. So this is goodbye, but not forever. You want to make a promise here on air? Do you want to? You know how we do kind of de facto? We do supplemental readings for Marvel movies? Yeah. Do you want to make a de facto promise that we're going to cover future fuck you movies? Hold on. Do I want to make a promise that uh, we'll only come home to roost in like a year? Yeah. Shake on that. Shaking, and we'll bring the corona. We will bring the corona. And you know what also we will bring? What else will we bring? Our love of the universe. Oh. Our love of the fuckue. What a good, what a good sentiment. I thought you were going to launch into some soulless, cold, marketing-focused social media plugs well speaking of social media plugs if you would like to send us a tweet you can do so at zcpcwhj on twitter.com which stands for henry i'm afraid i can't podcast without drinking again 
And if you want to send us an email about your problems, you can send that to zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your postmortems. They'll be longer or shorter than ours, most likely, unless you counted the number of characters in what we said. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook if you search zero credits Facebook on the podcast search bar. <laughs> Rearrange those words. You know what I meant. <laughs> That's great. Of course, if you want to find us on iTunes, which you must, uh, if you've listened this far you are honor bound much like the rock uh to seek us out review us hunt us down and leave comments uh really that's the apple podcast on itunes is the best way people can hear about this podcast what is apple podcast people keep saying that it's uh you know how you used to host things on itunes yeah now there's an apple podcast thing you gotta make sure we're on that i don't know if we are gotta check oh no and of course it doesn't matter what service we're on because honestly dear listeners word of the mouth is the only way we can survive so tell your friends tell your familia drink a corona and we'll get to seeing you on zero credits podcast deep in the future tell two friends they'll tell two friends two friends two friends too not deep in the future we're gonna be back next week we actually will be back next week the perfectly normal episode of zero credits completely normal episode of zero credits i've got so much stuff to talk about we got a backlog of topics mostly the spider-man game but mostly other things too yeah we gotta talk about toad huh don't worry about it what toad from (laughs) mario kart why are we talking about Toad? You'll find out in the coming days. Is this about Peachette? You're going to hear a lot about me in the coming days. That I'm a terrorist. I'm a murderer. I want you to know that these things are true. What's that from? <laughs> it's from the Spider-Man video game. It is? It is. Oh, yes, it is. That's Shh, right. Don't anyway, get spoilers. no spoilers. I just want to say, from everyone here... At the Zero Credits Supplemental Reading Garage, where we've been crodcasting this entire series. Did you say crodcasting? I did put a C in there somewhere. <laughs> I was hoping you didn't see it, but we both did improv with the same guy who did that, so. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I thought I had a quote, but I don't, so I just want to give a heartfelt goodbye for now to the Fuck You series. The fuck you, if you pronounce it how John pronounces it. I say fuck you. Yeah, you don't say fuck you. Yeah. I know, I put really put the uck into it. <laughs> we just want to wish you, we hope you had a good time here. That's what we want to wish you. We hope you had enjoyed this. And if you did enjoy this, we're up to doing this again. When, like, there's a lull in the zeitgeist. I know we normally talk about things you don't care about. But... <laughs> <laughs> But if you're if you want us to do another deep dive on another movie series, we're totally up for that. So just let us know. We just need feedback. We just need you to tell us on any of our social media channels. Tell us you like this, and we will do it again. And just stay tuned for another normal episode next week. I don't know how to end this episode. What if it ends and we never go back to the series? Hold on, wait. <clears throat> Big sexy coming through. That's how we end it. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. No, say bigger bye. Bye! Not like a medium sized bye. Bye! If I clap, it's the end. It's the end.